Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Really Useful Podcast. It's the tech podcast for technophobes. My name is Christian Corley, and with me this week is Ben Stegner. We're both from MakeUseOf.com, the uh, popular online resource for people who like to use technology. We're not for. I mean, it's interesting how the really useful podcast kind of. It wasn't intentionally designed to be almost exactly the same as make use of, but it's kind of, in many ways, it is in terms of who we're aiming at, isn't it? It does. It just aligns so well with the same user base and obviously our experience and expertise. So it's a natural fit, I think, or a natural extension, maybe, is a better way to put it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, We're this week. We're going to be discussing something that everybody almost everybody uh, comes across at some point it's what you do when you get a new computer or a new laptop you get it out of the box you plug it in you lift the lid or you connect the monitor and you turn it on what do you do next what are the apps that you should be installing on your computer first of all what what pieces of hardware should you be connecting and syncing or installing drivers for or, or so on that's what where we're at today. What do you do? What's the first thing you should do when you're setting up a new computer? This is something uh, that uh, I find myself doing quite often because I, I'm often switching between Windows and Linux. And just the other day, I bought a new printer because my old one died. That's a long story for a completely different podcast. And I've then found myself sort of installing new software on my computer, installing new software on my Ubuntu laptop. And it's all... It all has that air of familiarity about it because it's all the same stuff that you do when you get new devices, but when you get a new computer as well, you're setting up hardware, you're setting up software. Ben, you um, have you got a new computer recently? No, I was just going to say that the, the closest experience I've had to this is setting up like my PS5 when uh. I got it and my Xbox Series X. So I haven't set up a new computer in quite some time. I built my desktop about four and a half years ago. So uh. that was probably the last one I really set up. I got a new MacBook at the end of last year, but that I don't use that for a ton of stuff. So most of that moved over when I uh, when I applied my backup or restored my backup. But I haven't done like a from scratch setup in quite a while, actually, come to think of it. Well, this computer that I'm recording this on is the um, the Dell G5, which there's a review for I'll make use of. I'll link to that in the uh, show notes because it's a, it's a, not a bad uh, laptop. And I got this around, well, I mean, we're recording this in the end of July 2021. And I got this laptop less than a year ago. And booting up for the first time, uh, quite a bit of the software that I wanted to use um wasn't installed it rarely is pre-installed now ben has uh, compiled a great list of the 15 must-have windows apps and software for any new pc i'm going to let him go through them and then i'm going to tell him why he's wrong about things okay well you can roast me here <laughs> um so for the first category i have as a browser i did pick chrome for that um but with the caveat that the new version of microsoft edge is basically the same thing so it's not like the old days when you would boot up a new Windows computer and it had Internet Explorer that you felt disgusting for even clicking on kind of thing. Um, so I, I think Chrome is still the best general pick, but Edge is more or less the same and it works fine too. So 
Firefox. What's wrong with that one? Firefox. Mozilla Firefox. Every time. I cannot believe the difference between Chrome and Firefox. I switched about six weeks ago from Chrome to Firefox, and it just absolutely flies. I don't get any of the crashes I got with Chrome. The integration with my previous accounts is absolutely fine. Um, Firefox has a syncing thing, so I can sync the same accounts and pass up the same uh, logins and passwords and websites that I've visited and history to the other device I'm using, just as if I was using Chrome. The, the, the difference between the two is wafer thin now. There's no reason not to be using Firefox. It's a much better browser. It's open source, and it's got nothing to do with Google. I, I do. I remember when I was back in college, I swapped back and forth between Chrome and Firefox quite a bit. I would use one and then it would like it would feel like it was taking up a ton of memory or it was yeah. just running slowly. So I'd switch and then you know, I did that like ping pong back and forth. I do like Firefox. I use it as my secondary browser for like um, internal site searches for links when I'm writing an article. So I do use it regularly, but pretty much just for site searches. So I thought about switching over because multiple people at the site did say they had a similar experience with Firefox, but it's just like a little bit too much of a hat. It's not, it's not really a huge hassle to switch. It's just that every time I think about it, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> so That's fair enough. I'd give a full time shot because multiple people have said that. Okay, number two uh, for cloud storage, I picked Google Drive. Um, again, with the caveat that so cl some of these are they really depend on your ecosystem, like what apps you use from what provider. Um, the main reason I picked Google Drive is because it has 15 gigabytes of free space, so it's one of the most generous ones for free. Um, but again, OneDrive is pre-installed and that works pretty good too. It's yeah. just limited to five gigabytes for the free plan. I would, um, I, I think, very much these days, cloud storage is coming to a point where you're running out of space in any kind of meaningful way and there is always going to be a point where you need to start paying for it and with this in mind i already so like my main google account is absolutely brimming to full and then my children uh my two oldest children a big pardon for um, homework and stuff like that they have 10 gigabytes each as well and they're and they're like sub child accounts of my main account, and they're filling up. So mainly because of video, the videos that they make. And I'm finding that I also pay, and with good reason, for Dropbox. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into my Dropbox account. Lots of photos get synced there. A lot of the video material that I record for make use of, I use phones for, and that gets synced there. And I find that a little bit more reliable than relying on the google photos for that sort of material and also documents and other things i use on dropbox however and this is backed up a couple of useful articles been written on make use of recently by uh, phil king on using raspberry pi and software called nextcloud or software called owncloud to create your own cloud storage so i i am feeling as if i'm moving towards that point where i'm actually just going to create my own cloud drive cloud server in my home and use that but sticking with the things that you need to install straight away i would say it's a fair toss up between google drive and OneDrive. yeah i would agree the thing that i've done for quite some time kind of like you were saying is that i've used 
the different services and I've used them all for different things. So, and my accounts are old enough to where when they, when Dropbox used to do those promos where you could get like an extra three gigs of storage or that kind yeah. of stuff. So I, I have a little bit more than the base. I think Dropbox is still really solid. It only has two gigabytes for free and it seems like they're kind of aiming it at businesses these days. So it's not quite as cool as it used to be, I guess. But yeah, there's, there's a use for all of them. I think it like a, a lot of these come down to which service that you already use. I was just trying to pick the best one for most people. Um, speaking of one that's pretty, uh, not contentious, but you know, can depend on your needs. Um, third category I picked was music streaming. And I said, mm-hmm. Spotify was the best for that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, you have YouTube music premium, you have Apple music, you have Deezer and every other choice. So I just think Spotify is generally the best, um, cause a ton of people use it and it has a desktop app, which I care about. I don't know if everyone else does, but, um, I would say Spotify is the best music streaming for windows, not, not music in general, just for streaming. Right, I would say Amazon Music, which you haven't listed here criminally. Thank no, you. I didn't include that. Yeah, it is one. Of, I don't mind Spotify. We use it from time to time, but one of, one of my beefs with Spotify is, is we will not pay if if you've got the, the you know the the basic version, the free version. Uh, you get quote unquote thirty minutes of ad free. It doesn't work out as thirty minutes of ad free. It's usually about twenty three minutes of ad free. Then they'll stick an advert on. Quite often, the adverts are really patronising and annoying, and that really grinds my gears. Um, but fortunately, I mean, I have an Amazon Prime subscription, so I can use Amazon Music. And I've, I've, in fact, I've gone to the stage where I've actually upped the subscription to um, let everyone in the house use Amazon Music simultaneously. And that the library there is superb now. If you've got Amazon Prime, then you need to check out Amazon Music basically and make your own mind up. Uh, having used Spotify, I like Spotify free. Um, but I I think I just I just think I, I get more from Amazon Music. Well, I have actually several questions about what you just said. So, um, did, is it like once a day they have that thirty minutes of no ads? I've never heard of that before. But I haven't had I've had Spotify Premium for like right. nine years, so it's been a while. Is that like a daily promo? You're supposed to be able to get every thirty minutes no adverts for thirty minutes. Okay, with the free Spotify. So you listen for 30 minutes without an advert, then you get two or three adverts. But it never okay. works out at 30 minutes. Um, and one of the worst things, sometimes we'll use Spotify in the car, and that's when you then get like bombarded with the annoying adverts. So, okay. Yeah. I do remember the patronizing ones, though. Do you mean the ads for Spotify itself? Yeah. Because I do remember yeah, those yeah. being oh, really yeah. annoying. Yeah. And some of them were like inappropriate too. I mean, not like explicit, but just like stuff you wouldn't really want kids to hear. So, yeah, I remember the ads being pretty pretty dumb when I had it. Yeah. So and I my, mean, that's the thing. I have one one more question though. I, so with Amazon, so with Prime, you get Prime Music, which is the one that has like a, a limited selection of songs, right? Do you find that everything you want to listen to is on there? Because I knew they had that one, but then they have their like full full fat like ten dollar a month service that has like everything that Spotify and Apple Music have. Um. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have to skip that because I can't remember the difference between them now. Um, okay. There, there was a time when I was using Amazon Music and it didn't have everything on it that you wanted to have on it. But now we pay for the subscription for Amazon Music. It does have everything on it that you want on it. So okay. Uh, I'm not quite sure what level of subscription that is at the moment. But you know, the the point remains. Um, it's a good option on top of YouTube Music. Which I don't know anyone who uses YouTube music, to be honest. I don't either. <laughs> um, and Apple Music and Spotify. 
So go on then, Office Suite. Yeah, Office Suite, it's LibreOffice. So this is a pretty easy pick. Um, you know, you have the web versions of like Google, uh, Google Docs and Word Online. But if you want a desktop Office Suite, LibreOffice is really great. It gets updated pretty regularly, and it's about as good as you can get, uh, as close to Word and Excel and all those you can get without paying. So it's uh, definitely yep. handy to have around. Yep, it's free, and it's you know if you're desperate to use Office, just open your browser and use it there. Yep, it's not quite as feature filled as the desktop version but it's good enough for most people i would say i would say in the vast majority of cases if you need the advanced features in microsoft office you're already paying for microsoft office or your employer is so yeah you're used to having them if you just need to type up a paper it works fine on the free uh, web version yeah uh number five is image editor so i picked paint.net for that um it's not necessarily the most powerful image editor, but it's really easy to use. Um, it's way more powerful than Microsoft Paint, which is you know a, a joke, uh, you know, mostly used for joke stuff nowadays. Um, GIMP is another really good option too, but I find Paint.net is a little bit easier to just open up and use off the bat. Um, I think GIMP is a little more intimidating for for newcomers, so I, I like Paint.net myself. I wouldn't argue with that at all. I saw I, I use Paint.net when I'm using Windows, and I really like it. Most of the uh, images that I've edited. For uh, use on makeusof.com have been uh, cropped and resized and adjusted in paint.net. I saw an interesting uh, tweet uh, a couple of days ago concerning GIMP and how it needed to be uh, like, like it was like this sort of like revolutionary realization that it hadn't occurred to anyone else that GIMP needs to be more usable. I'm like, no. Surely not. Yeah, it's it's pretty. I mean, I, w I don't know if I call it clunky. It's just it, I don't know. It sort of kind of still wants to be one foot in the in the past where maybe um, they, they they just need to really do something about that uh, user interface on GIMP. But the fact that someone tweeted it as if it was and it was someone quite notable, like a journalist tweeted it as if it was uh, some kind of amazing revelation that hadn't occurred yeah. to anyone was um, well, it had me chuckling anyway. Yeah, that is funny. Yeah, I would say basically when you sit down and you open up GIMP, it's not really clear how to do what you want to do is how I would sum it up. Yeah. Um, moving on, number six is the security category. I picked Malwarebytes for this. Um, I'm a big, I'm, I'm maybe not a fan, but um, Microsoft Defender on Windows 10 is pretty much good enough for most people, so you don't really need to pay for an antivirus. Um, if you want a second opinion, I like keeping Malwarebytes around because the free version you can scan uh, on demand. It doesn't run all the time, but you can scan if you think something's up or if you want to uh, scan a file that you downloaded, so it's just a good second opinion to keep around. Yeah, I wouldn't largely argue with that. I would rely on Windows Defender unless you have a reason not to rely on Windows Defender. You maybe you're clicking around on dodgy sites or you're opening habitually opening clearly spam emails or, or you're fooled by spam emails and you're clicking those. Then then yeah, as Ben says, it's good to have a second choice. Uh, next is Media Player. So VLC is the pretty clear pick for this. VLC is one of those apps that's just so ubiquitous in the geek world if you want to call it that i guess uh, it opens everything it plays everything it has tons of cool features it's 100 percent free it gets updated um it's you know if you have it on your computer vlc is going to open it so any kind of local video or uh, even audio works great with vlc so it's totally free great to keep around for the, all those purposes yeah i'd agree with vlc i would say that it's prone to breaking occasionally though so it is uh you may need to hit the support pages to find out how to fix things um not an easy sometimes it'll break 
and other times you'll you'll tweak something and then completely forget that it's been tweaked and then something weird will happen in it like um videos will play backwards and in black and white or oh okay yeah you know or there's a codec broken and then that's stopping it from running properly and uh, but it's so versatile and does so much things you can you know you can run web streams through vlc or you can create streams from a video on your computer to your tv via vlc uh you can send to chromecast using vlc so it's a really versatile and excellent piece of software everyone should have it yeah, that's just definitely one to keep around. This is the kind of thing where like I would recommend it to anyone without hesitation is the categories we're talking about here. Yeah. Okay, so next is for screenshots. So um, Windows does have the basic snip and sketch tool, which is fine if you just take a screenshot every once in a great while. Um, ShareX is another one of those apps, kind of the theme you can kind of see here, where it's just so good for free, um, completely free. There's nothing to pay for. It has tons of capture options like scrolling capture and monitor capture, app capture. Um, it has really great editing tools. So you can mark up your screenshots right in the editor, um, has great uploading tools. So you can send it to the services you want to use. And it combines all of these with like workflows. So you can say, okay, when I capture a screenshot, I want to save it to my clipboard. I want to open it in the editor and I want to do whatever else. And then after I save it, I want to upload it to this website and then copy the link to my WhatsApp or that kind of thing. So it's really, really powerful. It can be a little overwhelming at first, but it's phenomenal for for something that doesn't cost anything. Wow, I um, I have nothing to add to that. I haven't even heard of ShareX. So you know what? A couple of years ago, when I wrote a list of the best to uh, screenshot software, I hadn't heard of it either. So I wrote the list and didn't include it. And I either I think I discovered it like a week after I wrote that article, or someone let me know about it in a comment. And I opened it up and I was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Um. Greenshot was a was a popular yep. utility in this category. It's still around, but it hasn't been updated in almost four years. So I wouldn't recommend that. ShareX is far and away much better. Um, so number nine isn't very exciting, but for file compression and archiving, Seven uh, Zip. Um, if you ever if you need to open anything on your computer, like zip files, RAR files, JAR, anything like that. Windows can open up basic zip files, but for anything else, 7-zip is awesome. It's not too pretty. The interface is pretty dated, um, and it's just kind of there, so it's not something you really think about installing. But you install that, you never have to worry about uh, zipping up files or opening them, and it doesn't cost anything, so you don't need to pay for WinRAR. Oh, do you remember the days when you didn't have to pay for WinRAR? I don't. I, I still think you don't. There's a video on YouTube that looks at this that I watched maybe a year ago. It's pretty right. interesting. How it's still like uh, what do they call it? Like a trialware. Trialware, yeah. yeah. Shareware, yeah. Just, it's just please pay, and you're like no, and then it just okay. We'll ask you again in thirty days. Yeah, yeah. And we'll take a moment from our usual podcast proceedings to just remind you that the really useful podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you find podcasts. So we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts. We're hosted at Transistor.fm, so you can find us there as well. We're also on YouTube, and of course, on MakeUseOf.com. Now, however you subscribe to the Really Useful Podcast and listen to us, it would be amazing if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That will help us to find new listeners and take our podcast to ever greater heights you'll find the link to our apple podcast page in the show notes thanks a lot 
Um, next up for messaging, so Rambox is one you might not have heard of. Um, no. The reason I didn't pick anything, you know, apps like WhatsApp and GroupMe and Telegram and Signal, there's no way I'm going to just recommend one of those because the best one is the one that your friends use. Um, so Rambox is actually a super handy app that lets you link all of those services in one place. So you can have your Gmail and your Hangouts and your uh, WhatsApp and all those all those things together and just switch between them like they're all in a browser tab. So yeah. it frees up your actual browser from having those web apps open. So whatever you use, it's probably in Rambox. Well, I'm in my 40s, so a lot of us still use SMS. I still do too begrudgingly because it's just the lowest common denominator, but I don't like using it. I would, I would use it less if I could. I try to use telegram or at least iMessage with people. Um, moving on. Number 11 is a clipboard manager. So clip clip, I think is the best for this is the best one that I've found. Um, if you don't know what a clipboard manager is, basically it keeps track of everything that you copy so that you can paste things even after you've overwritten them on your clipboard, because by default, the clipboard only holds one thing when you copy and paste. So, um, clip clip remembers what you copy and it also lets you create like shortcut pinned lists. So you could have a list of like addresses or canned emails or anything like that. And then you can just easily pull up those with a shortcut and then paste whatever you want in. So uh, if you do any kind of emailing or data entry or writing, um, I use this all the time for canned text. So it's very helpful and saves you a lot of time. Okay. Now, number 12, you, you've uh, looked at the password manager option. Yes. And you've gone with Bitwarden. Why did you choose Bitwarden? Well, so the main reason is that I, I would... I would recommend in the past LastPass for yeah. this. However, earlier this year in 2021, LastPass decided to turn evil. I forget what the exact change was. They limited their their free plan to one type of device, I think. So yeah. if you use it on your desktop, you can't also use it on your phone and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. Um, there are good ones. Like I use one password. It's really good, but it is paid. Um, but I think that Bitwarden for most people is fine and really good. Um, I used it earlier this year when I wrote a full article on how to get started with a password manager, like mm -hmm. from start to finish. And I was pleasantly surprised with how good it is for free because the UI looks good. That was one of the problems I had with LastPass. The UI just looks so 10 years ago. Yeah, it got, um, it got all So the... I think Bitwarden's really good for what it is. The LastPass UI kind of looked older every week didn't it it's it was yeah. just about usable but uh, it looked terrible i it looked I, like it hadn't changed since like windows 7 came out yeah i switched to key pass because i decided i'd just go open source with it how how does how easy is that to use because i remember when i first learned about password managers i think i downloaded key pass and yeah. it felt like really not smooth like it it's didn't not. integrate into my workflow no it's not it's basically a database and it's presented as a database so it's it's not the easiest thing to use, but that's it on your computer or you know with your with your database saved to a central place like Google Drive or Dropbox, or whatever. There are different ways to access it because it's open source. So there is, uh, say, on my phone, I have the uh, KeePass app on my phone, and that's a lot slicker. There's also a browser-based tool that you can use to open in your browser to access your database, which is far more attractive than using the KeePass app. So okay. it has that advantage to it, uh, which is why I've kind of stayed with it really, because it's, uh, it just, it's it just, because it's so easy to use and the, the migration of my old passwords and everything to it was uh, really straightforward. I was surprised at how easy it was. Uh, so, so yeah, I was basically stuck with it. And you know, like the mobile app will support, you know, like password, thumb, 
print whatever security system you've got set up on your phone and it's easy to find the password you need to use you can open the the url and have them pasted in for you automatically like you would have done with LastPass or any other so i think i think it's a smart if you're looking for something that's open source and will work across a, a range of devices without any messing about keypass will work on pretty much everything well, that's a good report i'm glad to hear that because that's i mean I, I didn't use it enough to form an opinion on it really but basically the lesson is that you should be using any kind of password manager well as long as it's a good one because yeah. they're really important so find one that you like and uh, and that's definitely a must-have app okay uh, a couple more here so backup uh, i went with backblaze for this which is one of the few apps on this list that's paid only um in the old days i, re I recommended crash plan but they're aiming at businesses now so there's no free uh plan for for crash plan anymore uh, backblaze is a really simple cloud backup app so this is to back up your computer, not not just cloud storage like we talked about earlier, but uh, Backblaze is sixty dollars uh, a year. Is that it? Six dollars a month it starts, I think. If you mm -hmm. pay for a year, it's sixty dollars a year, and it just backs up everything on your computer, no questions asked. So it, it'll it doesn't back up you know like Windows files, but you don't have to go in and say I want to back this up, I want to back that up. You can exclude stuff if you want. But by default, it just goes in and backs up all the important stuff, and it's just there for you. You don't have to think about it. It's off-site, so if there's a fire or someone breaks in and steals your laptop or whatever, it's backed up somewhere where it's not just a local drive sitting on your uh, desk or whatever. So mm -hmm. I've used it for years, and it's not exciting, really. But if, if something happened to your data, it would pay for itself in a moment. Most of my vital data is synced to Dropbox, so... I don't tend to worry about all the other stuff because basically, you know, like I've, if I've got games and they're in Steam, so I can easily get those back and get everything I write, everything that I record, podcasts, images, videos, they all get synced to Dropbox. So that, they, that kind of handles that side of things for me. Yeah, I actually follow like I'm, I'm probably overkill. I think I have like a triple backup. So I, my data's on my computer and then I, I use the Windows, I don't even know what it's called, file history and they still call it that. Uh -huh. The Windows 10 backup tool to back up to my HDD that's in my computer. And then I have most of my super important stuff in cloud storage and I also use Backplace. So I think I'm covered if something yeah, ever happened. You, you are fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, two more here. So storage management. This is kind of an odd category, but I, I like tree size free. Um, so you might have heard of apps like Winder Stat, which yeah. I've never been able to get used to the interface of. I think it looks weird, but tree size free. If you've never used an app like this, basically uh, you pick your hard drive and then it scans it and it tells you which files are taking up the most space. Mm -hmm. So uh, sooner or later, everyone runs into the situation where they're low on space on their computer. And if you're not sure what's taking up space, this will tell you. So you'll be able to see, oh, there's a bunch of videos I forgot about, or, oh, there's games that are bigger than I thought they were, or whatever. Yeah. It's a really easy way to look at the low-hanging fruit when you need to free up some space. Yeah, I would have said Windows starts up until a few weeks ago. I've, I've used tree size free, and it is a lot simpler. I've, I've, I've got a soft spot for Windows start, though, because I kind of accidentally discovered it myself. So then I told loads of people about it. So I've, I've, you I've found it before it was cool. Yeah, so I've, 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 I feel kind of responsible for it in a way. I, I think I might have tried it one time. I just every shot of it I've seen, it just I'm, I, I used tree size way well before I even heard about Windows. So I just. I guess I just got used to it. Yeah. 
And then rounding out the list is a little more advanced of a tool. So for the scripting category, I picked Auto Hotkey. Um, I'm sure we talked about it on the, yes, the show before. Yeah. Auto Hotkey is a really powerful scripting language where you can do everything from mapping one key to another to writing your own macros. So you can say, when I hit this shortcut, open this app, paste this text, send this email, whatever. Um, it can be as simple or as complex as you want it to be. And we have a bunch of articles on the site for making uh, – full use of it so it's definitely a cool tool if you want to get more and go get a little advanced cool now having the right apps and everything set up ready or you know like download them you know through your browser choose your browser download the apps get yourself ready to use your computer that's all one thing now one of the things that i've noticed increasingly over the past few years is that so much more is available in the browser that you rarely have to use you know desktop software so much as you used to um for example when i've been using firefox on my windows computer and firefox on my uh ubuntu laptop and i guess the same when i was using chrome as well it's very few times that i would need to actually use a third-party app and you know it's almost as if more and more of our life is in the browser now, which is why computers, platforms like uh, Chrome OS are doing so well because the, the 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 browser does so much more now than it ever used to do. So a lot of this um, whole idea of uh, setting up what should you install, it does kind of depend on your requirements and the platform you're using and whether or not you've actually just really comfortable just using stuff in the browser or if maybe your employer everything that they use, all the co collaboration tools, etc., are they all in the browser as well? But moving on from software, because you also need to set up your hardware when you've got a new system, don't you? And, and Ben, you got a, a new MacBook some time ago. I got a new computer some time ago. And there's, you know, there's a few things that you have to do. You, I mean, you need to get onto the network, don't you? So you need to know what your, your, your router password is. Or right. you need to be ready to tether with your smartphones, mobile internet, whatever. If you're close enough to the router, you could plug an Ethernet cable in. If your laptop supports Ethernet cables, I've got a nice little sort of, I'd call it a mouth on the side of my Dell. And it's like a little jaw. And it'll just, the bottom of it will just drop down when you want to squeeze an Ethernet cable into it and then clamp onto it. This is quite amusing, That's I think. It's nice that you have the option. I feel like a lot of that's disappearing from a lot of laptops. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. So that's nice because it, it means it, it doesn't change the sort of um, the aesthetic of the side of the computer. It just just opens up if you want to put an Ethernet cable into it. Um, so there's that side of things. Then there's you know connecting your phone up and syncing the data with your phone. There's always stuff to sync with a phone. Uh, often you can do it wirelessly, but sometimes there might be something you need to do manually. Then there's devices around your house that you might want to connect to. Maybe you want to cast something to your TV. And if you're using Windows, then you can go into Windows settings and uh, select the, what we do, we press uh, Windows and I, and then we click on devices and add. And then we can connect Bluetooth and other devices. We can connect, uh, and that might be anything from uh, audio devices to TVs uh, and beyond consoles xbox one and from the same screen you can add printers and scanners now uh, as alluded to earlier on i've uh, quite a an angry recent history with printers and uh, i don't want to go into too much detail but if i'd have got that printer and this computer on the same day uh at least one of them would have ended up in pieces 
that bad? Yeah, I got to, but basically I had a HP for some years and it stopped working. And, you know, it, it, it had a good innings. Um, unfortunately, I was printing some really important stuff, so I had to go and buy a new printer. And the Epson was okay, but it, I, I cannot get it to connect to the network. It will connect an ad hoc network with my phone and with Kerry's tablet and with my tablet. And, but it won't do anything with my Windows computer without a USB cable, which is really, really annoying. So, you know, and these are the things, because, you know, we talk about, oh, these are the great apps that you need to install. And they are great apps, but getting a new PC isn't as simple as just opening it, the box, plugging it in, switching it on, and installing the apps. Because there's always going to be a frustrating piece of hardware that just won't goddamn work properly. Yeah, and then you get something that worked with your old computer, yep. and then it's the driver isn't compatible with this version, or just all that kind of thing. Or you had you did some kind of custom setup on the old one that you forgot about, and it, you can't get it to like jerry rig on the new one. Yeah, it's that's pretty common on a new computer. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. Now, um, there are certain things that you should do with a brand new laptop, aren't there, Ben? Yes, there are. So these are kind of general things to do. Um, we talked some about the apps, obviously, but um, a few general things. So one of them sounds dumb, but updating the operating system is important. So um, unless you just installed your, the operating system fresh from yourself, you know, a new Windows 10 or Linux installation, chances are there's probably an update that happened since your laptop was on the shelf. So installing the latest updates is important. So you get obviously security features and everything. Um, it's also good to do that first so that you're not missing out on settings that would be there after you update, you know, make yeah. sure that you're changing the latest settings. Um, getting rid of any bloatware is important too, um, particularly on Windows. You know, a lot of manufacturers include a bunch of junk you don't need. So getting rid of that stuff so it's not running on your computer and wasting space. Um, we talked about security software as part of the apps you want to have. Um, turning anti-theft on is important too. So like on a MacBook, you have Find My. Um, Windows 10 has a similar Find My device feature. So making sure you have that turned on ahead of time is important because obviously if you lose your device um, or someone steals it, you're not going to be able to turn that stuff on later. So getting that done while you're thinking about it as soon as your laptop is out of the box is a good thing to do there. Uh, a couple other small things. So if it's a laptop, you want to optimize your power settings. So um, you don't want your laptop to go to sleep too fast when you're plugged in, but you also don't want to have the screen super bright when you're on battery and then waste the battery life. So making sure that it behaves as you uh, expect it to is important there. Um, we talked about backups too. That's something you should do right away so that you're backing up without thinking about it. You don't have to do it later on. Um, and then setting up your cloud storage, anything like that, um, you know, sign into your VPN, that sort of thing. And then a little, have a little bit of fun and customize it to your uh, to your liking. You know, go through and change the color or install a custom theme or uh, change your wallpaper, that sort of thing. So it feels like home. Um, that's the stuff that you want to do right away. Because if you don't do it right away, um, something bad could happen, like we said, and then it's not configured properly. Or you might just always put it off because there's something else to do. So it's good to knock that stuff all out when you first get it. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of that will apply to desktops as well. But uh, um, yeah, obviously, that's a laptop focused uh, compilation of things that you should do with a brand new laptop. And have you customized the exterior of your MacBook in any particular way? I have not. Um, I, I remember 
I don't know if they're really still popular, but like years ago, I would see those skins you could buy where it was like, like, you know, on the, on the Apple logo, it was like Cinderella holding an apple or sorry, Snow White, not Cinderella, uh, Snow White holding the apple or just like, you know, a monster taking a bite out of it or something, just like clever little decals that use the Apple logo. I've never bought anything like that. I tend to not really put stuff on my devices. Like I don't put a sticker on my laptop or anything like that. I buy a case from my phone and that's about it. So mm. I don't do anything too fancy. Okay. I, um, my last, well, actually my last laptop is my Ubuntu laptop. So that's in the other room that has a bunch of star Wars decals from rogue one. Okay. Which obviously is the only decent star Wars movie of the past 30 years. And the laptop I'm using right now, I can't really see, but I've got some, uh, space invaders, pixely style aliens, or decals on the lid of that as well. Okay. Um, so I, I tend to go for just some, like a single or just a couple of things. Just not, not, I don't like to overwhelm. I just like something subtle, just just a signature, you know? Yeah, it is nice to have it, especially if you have a MacBook or something where they all look the same. It's kind of nice to have something to signify it as your own. Yeah. And I do think, I mean, I think there can be cool, like tasteful ones. Like I'm not opposed to it. It's more just to spend the money on a really cool one. It's not, I don't, I just don't really see it as worth it for myself. I'm, I don't want to put like something trashy on. So it's kind of a shame though, because like whenever I get a sticker, if I go somewhere, I don't really have a good place to put stickers. Mm. So they kind of just sit in a drawer. Um, it would, it would be nice to have somewhere to display them, but a laptop can be a good place for that if you're into it. Yeah, definitely. Um, what's this? Ah, it is the sign that we're coming to the end of this week's really useful podcast. Um, ben Stegner and myself, Christian Colley, have discussed a variety of things that you need to do when you get a new computer, uh, whether it's a laptop or a desktop, uh, software that you should install on Windows, um, some of which would easily replicate on other platforms. Some wouldn't, but you'd be able to find sensible alternatives. Um, and consider the um, issues that hardware can cause to a new computer, like external hardware connecting to routers, maybe getting a printer set up, those sort of things. They can, they can be big time sinks. So I think probably the most important thing is about all of this, actually, Ben, is, um, you know, you get a new computer, put plenty of time aside to get set up. Yeah, customize it the way you want it to be because, like we said, doing this stuff ahead of time pays off later. And do remember, too, that thanks to advancements in modern OSs, if you're moving from a Mac to a Mac or a Windows 10 device to a Windows 10 device, um, some of that stuff you'll be able to sync. So if you sign in with your same account, a few things will move over, not everything, but that'll be able to save you a little bit of time. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely set up set some time aside to do all the stuff that you might not think of at first because it's important to, to do it right when you get a new computer. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I would not disagree with that at all. Uh, we're going to be taking a break through August 2021, and we shall be back in the autumn. Uh, until then, take care, stay safe, and there's plenty of other really useful podcasts for you to check out. Bye-bye.